Well, I am... I just am grateful for, and I'm not fishing for any sort of response from you, church, but I I am grateful for the way we've just been led. I I know that it takes a lot of of practice and preparation, and um, I'm grateful because a whole bunch of people just decided to share their gifts with the church that I get to sit in and worship the way we do, and um, I know that it's not just easily done, so I'm really grateful to all of you who have have served um, today and prepared for this, so I'm just really great. I want to say thank you. I, I'm, if you're a visitor today, I should introduce myself. My name's Terry, and um, I, I have this habit. Anytime I get up here and decide to, it's time for us to open up the Word of God just for a minute or two, I, I love the book of Proverbs. There's a, there's a chapter, there's a book inside the Bible called Proverbs, and it's full of really good wisdom. And it happens to have 31 chapters in it, and so there's never a month with more than 31 days, so there's always a chapter of the day. Right? Today's the 24th, right? You got that. It's the 24th? Yep. Yep. Right. Oh, come on now. Okay. So today's the 24th, so I picked a couple of verses. I'll just read them, and then we'll, we'll just spend a minute or two um, in the Word of God also. A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. I love the book of Proverbs. Well, I, I just love about Christmas because it's Jesus' birthday, and ever since I was about four, birthdays have been a pretty big deal to me. I think before four, I, I realized, and, and they were a big deal to me because I was going to get something. And I get an awful lot out of Christmas and, and the birth of the baby. I, I was sitting here during worship, and my perfect little granddaughter, who was sitting next to me, was singing out and closing her eyes during prayer and all of the cute little things that, um, that you want to see happen in little ones. And I, I just think about when, when Lisa and I had... had our three children, as they were born, which, okay, I was the guy. I wasn't actually giving birth, but kind of, you know. So, so I mean, it was still a miracle. It was an absolute staggering, mind-blowing. I understand. I get the biology. I understand all that. But when a living, breathing, loving, capable human being is produced, it's nothing less than an absolute miracle. And um, so we look at the Christmas story and we say, well, we had someone that was born of a virgin, and that's a miracle. And that certainly is, and it's certainly true, and so forth. But I don't know that it's any greater miracle than every other birth. Anyway, um, that's just a Terry comment. I don't want to make doctrine out of that, but I'm just still, I, I look at, at birth um, of a child and I'm just amazed. And there's a, there's a, there's a psalm that I love to read. And um, this, the psalmist, the person that wrote this psalm is actually talking to God. And so let me just share a couple of verses out of Psalm 139. He, it says, for you were formed. He's, he was, he's, he's talking to God here. The psalmist is talking to, for, for you formed my inward parts, God. You covered me in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my substance, being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God knows all of our days. Before they even start, he knows what you're getting for Christmas tomorrow. Or not, you know. If you've been naughty and you're getting a lump of coal, sorry for you. But anyway, God knows all of our days. And then it goes on, and this is really cool. I love this. He says, how precious also are your thoughts to me. Oh, God, how great is the sum of them. When you get a perception, maybe because of stories or movies, that God somewhere sits and he's off and he's distant, and he just demands that you act a certain way or you give him the certain things that you're supposed to have, that is completely not true about God. Completely not true. This scripture tells us about God. It says, how precious also are your thoughts to me. 
God is thinking about you. And he just thinks how precious you are, how special you are. And all of those days, it says there's so many thoughts like that that he thinks you can't count them. That's who God is. And I, you know, that, that, that psalm goes on. We won't spend time on it, but it talks about how we were knit together in our mother's womb. It talks about how God knew us and put us together and shaped us and gave us gifts and temperament. I love the picture of childbirth because there's so much packed into it that's majestic. 500 years before Jesus was born, there was another guy, um, a prophet. His name was Isaiah. And a simple little prophecy, he just wrote this down 500 years before Jesus. It said, said, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Down in writing. And I think when he wrote that, People thought, what's this all about? They had no idea. Fast forward 500 years, and all of a sudden, a virgin gives birth, just like God told through this prophet all those years ago. I want to read the Christmas story. And traditionally, I would tell you, turn in your Bible, and it's okay if you do. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. But instead of reading it, I found a video where it's actually, the the, the actual scripture is read to some video. So we're going to see um, the Christmas story. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So that's the English standard version that is used in that narration. And you maybe recognize the wording at the very end there. It's really common in a Hallmark card. You know, you, you probably have heard it said, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And, um, and it's interesting that that's a little bit different than what Scripture actually says. In fact, the NIV version says, peace on earth to men on whom his favor rests. Which is an interesting concept. I mean, um, I, I've, I've thought that through, and I thought, wait a second. 
It always seems so universal, that declaration of peace, but it's actually not. God doesn't put his peace on everybody. Wait a second. Really? What's that all about? That doesn't seem loving. That doesn't seem right. What's the deal? Well, I believe God's peace is available to everybody, but he doesn't put it on everyone because sometimes people reject it. They literally reject the peace of God. It makes no sense. Well, it doesn't make good sense to reject God's peace. Why would people do that? I mean, why would they reject it? And I, I, think, um, I think it's because, and I'll give you, this is just my opinion, I believe it's something in all of us that has, there's sometimes an independent streak. Sometimes we just get to the place, and many people are there, where they say, I just don't want to be accountable to God, so fine, I'll just go ahead and figure this out on my own. And so God's going to honor that, and his is okay. If you don't want my peace, if you don't want my involvement, okay. And so times can come when circumstances arise, and all of a sudden we'd like to have some of God's peace, but we've pushed it away, and then for some crazy reason we tend to blame God. It just doesn't make sense, but it happens. God's peace is supernatural. When God gives it, It's not some sort of a formula that he explains it to you and you work it out yourself. When God gives his peace, he gives a peace that goes beyond our understanding. In other words, it goes past the filters of logic. It goes past, well, here are my circumstances, and if all of them line up okay, I'll be peace-filled because the formula is met. That's not how it works. God goes right past our intellect, and he says, I'm going to put a supernatural peace in you, and it's going to be because the Lord has touched you. And there are times that we've got to have that. There are times when you can't get peace without supernatural intervention. And that happened for Joseph. Joseph, the father of Jesus, the, 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 uh, the earthly father. And uh, so there were things going on with Joseph. Joseph was betrothed. We would consider that in our culture not quite married, but certainly more than, um, what's the word, uh, engaged. He's more than engaged, but not quite married. It's, it's, he's, they're considered married. But they haven't consummated the marriage yet. And he finds this news. You saw it in the video, the, the, the pictures there. He sees and he finds out she's pregnant and he knows he wasn't with her. And he's upset. He doesn't understand. His hopes, his plans, all the stuff that he had hoped for, his life is all messed up now. And this guy's brokenhearted. He's a candidate for peace. And the situation is not going to be explained away to him. This guy needs supernatural peace. And God is going to do that. We're going to look at another section of Scripture, same as before. Rather than reading it, it's going to be literally narrated out of the Bible. And this will be um, how the, from the Gospel of Matthew telling the story through the eyes of Joseph, of Scripture to video. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So there was some supernatural peace that happened. I'm so glad that Joseph was willing to hear what God said and, and God intervened. But, you know, I read stories like this, and I see things, and I think, wait a second, I'm confused, and I've got these questions. So I read that passage, and I see, I don't know if you caught that on the video, there are a couple of different names. Emmanuel, Jesus, Emmanuel, what's the deal? Um, and um, I, I'd kind of like some clarity, Lord. What am I supposed to call him? Am I supposed to call him Emmanuel, or am I supposed to call him Jesus? And, I, okay, so let's look at those two options, the two, the two names. The first name, Jesus, comes from two Hebrew words, uh, contractions of, of two, t- two Hebrew words. The one, one is a Hebrew name for, for God, Jehovah is part of that name. And then the second part of the name is um, a word that means open, redeemer, savior. So the name Jesus actually means, it's, it's translated as salvation, salvation or my savior. The other name, Scripture gives us the, um, the, the, the translation, Emmanuel means God with us. So his name is Salvation, my Savior, or his name is God with us. Kind of an interesting difference there, because if you look at those two names, they kind of come from a different perspective. The first one is Savior. That's something that's personal. He's my Savior. The second one is, is a group perspective. God's here. So people are saying God's here, which is different than God's my Savior. I, I see those two names and I'm thinking, okay, God says to Joseph, and you will call him Jesus. You, you, this is a one-on-one conversation, personal relationship. You, Joseph, will call him Savior. And they, the crowd, the, the community, will call him, will call him, that's my granddaughter. She can do whatever she wants. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So, 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 but the crowd, the crowd, the community will call him God with us. It's true. Both names are true, but one is personal in reference. One is corporate. It's, it's, it's more of an observation than a personal deal. And, and, and that's scary because unless you understand the difference, people can think they know the Savior when they only know God with us. And that's a pretty important distinction. In fact, the religious leaders of the day when Jesus was, was uh, having dialogue, dialogue with them, they were dancing on this doctrinal issue. They were, they were concerned about it, and the religious leaders were against Jesus. They were not, they were not too crazy about things he was doing. And there's a, there's a discussion uh, between them and the words of Jesus. We find it in John chapter 10. Now, this happens in the wintertime when this is going on. This is, it starts, now it was the Feast of Dedication of Jerusalem. The Feast of the Dedication happened in the wintertime, and um, today we call it Hanukkah. If you're not Jewish, you don't know Hanukkah. But Hanukkah just ended 10 days ago. So this, is, this discussion is going on, in, in terms of our calendar, at Christmas time. 
Just like we're, we're talking about right now. So it's Christmas time, and he's meeting with these guys. It says, now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple um, in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, if you are the anointed one, if you are the Savior, if you are the way to heaven, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, Now this is Jesus talking. I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Jesus is telling us that people that don't believe in him don't believe because they're not his sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There is a way for you to know whether or not you are one of Jesus' sheep. Because Jesus just explains to us right there that if you are one of his sheep, you know his voice. And when you hear his voice, you follow him. Jesus just told us that. That's how you know if you're saved. That's how you know if you'll spend eternity in heaven. And that is you know Jesus' voice, and when he calls, you follow. Pretty simple. That's how you can tell that. And uh, it goes on and he says in verse 28, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. It's so important that, it, that you don't just know about him. It's important that you be one of his sheep, to be one of his sheep if you want to have eternal life. Jesus just explained that. And we're just about done. We're going to do our candle lighting and, and conclude the service in just a minute. But I have a Christmas question I want to ask you. And this is, not, this is rhetorical. I don't want you to answer this out loud. The question I would ask of you today is, do you know him as salvation or do you only know him as God with us? It's an important decision. It's an important question. Jesus actually was talking about this very topic. He was praying and he was talking to God. And uh, that prayer is recorded, and it's written down in in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, starting in verse 8. Here's Jesus talking to God. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Now catch this. He says, I pray for them. Jesus is praying for people who are his followers, who are his sheep. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Wow. I think it's so important at Christmas time that Jesus be so much more than a decoration in a holiday. And what we chose to do with the one hour that you entrusted to us tonight, thank you for doing that. What we chose to do was really honor why Jesus came. The reason he came was to create a pathway and a place of relationship between us and God that is possible in no other way. Elsewhere in scripture, Jesus says the words, no one comes to the Father but by me. There is no other way. Jesus is the light and the truth and the way. And I want to just say to you, maybe you have heard the shepherd call you before. You've heard the voice, but you haven't followed him. But you realize that's not a good long-term approach. That's not a good long-term strategy. And I encourage you, if you hear the shepherd calling you, that you respond. Because he may not call again. He may not call again. You just don't know. No one knows what tomorrow will hold. I want to talk to you a little bit about
becoming one of his sheep. And I don't, here's what I'm not doing. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you for your money. I'm not asking for you to do good deeds. I'm not asking you to, to make a list of how good a person you are. That's probably all true stuff. But none of that will get you to heaven. None of it. The only way to get to heaven, Scripture says that if you believe with your heart that he came and he died and he rose again to cover your sins. If you believe that in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved. Scripture says all who call on Jesus will be saved. All. It's that simple. Now, I'm not asking anybody to stand up here and do anything. I would never want you to draw attention upon yourself in a public meeting like this. I don't think that that's required for salvation. I think what you do is just what Scripture says. You believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth. So I encourage you, if you sense something about the shepherd calling you tonight, saying, hey, let's, let's get eternity squared away for you. You say, yes, I know I need you, Jesus. I need to know Jesus' salvation, not just God with us. You make that decision, and then you tell somebody. Tonight, tomorrow, sometime, you tell somebody, hey, you know what that guy was talking about in the church? I, I, I did that. I, I, I want to make sure I'm right with God. I just got to tell somebody. So I'm telling you. Tell somebody. Scripture says that all who call on Jesus will be saved. Um, we're going to um, conclude the service with candlelighting. And um, honey, I need your help because you've got our candles, would you? And, and here's what we're...